Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. Straight up to the claw on this Friday afternoon. Good afternoon and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns, alongside somebody I have not been alongside on the air in this studio for damn near 10 years. That's by design, by the way. Yeah, I know. You were avoiding me. It's okay. It's, don't, don't even you, think, you're, Burnsy. Aller, you're allergic to success, and I get that. You might be having a reaction right now, and if you do, <laughs> no. we got an EpiPen in the other room for you, Paul Calvisi. Wow. I, I know success wow. freaks you out a little okay. bit, but it's okay. You know, it's all good. Yeah. Don't gonna think s- you're going to bull rush me with your big energy <laughs> off the top. Don't even think I'm going to stand for that. I'm, you know what? I'm going to start this show like Jonathan Gannon, Mr. Energy, starts a press conference. All right, let's go. Here we are. <laughs> Buckle up. Everyone Buckle up and, uh, I mean, Bernsey, are you kidding me over there? Give me a moment here while I wipe down this. Just See, for, for old time's sake, for let old me wipe down so, the mic. So for those who don't know, Paul Calvisi and I, um, 10 years ago, we did a little ditty called Sports Interactive here on Arizona Sports. And uh, I, <laughs> were, were, were we ahead of our time or were we just out of time? You know, what I, was was thinking, exactly? I was thinking about I, I really that yesterday because I, I think that show was ahead of its time, but I don't know if its concepts ever really yeah. stuck at all. I don't know. Just, like We were doing something totally different. It was awesome. It was so much fun. And yet, no. No one's really duplicated it, which made me think we must yeah. have been doing something wrong. I think we were the broadcast version of the metaverse. We were we were Mark Zuckerberg before Zuckerberg. <laughs> See, you know, he's re, redefined the whole company. Just nobody's buying it. Yeah, exactly. That nobody's was buying us. People are like, Meta? What's yeah. Meta? Who cares? When do I get on right. Facebook? How do I get on Instagram? I mean, That's where's all our stock options on that? So I have, um, Cal and I did the show together for like two years. And of course, we've known each other since, what, the mid-90s, right? So we haven't done a show together in 10 years, uh, but we've kept up. Up, obviously, I'm expecting mad energy today. I'm expecting a lot of uh, barbs thrown each other's way, right? Like some fat jokes and some short jokes and some, you know, you're no. wiping everything down like sure. you did every single day when we were in here for two years together. Some things haven't changed. You're still a little bit of a germaphobe, which is cool. I'm down with that. That's okay. Well, some things haven't changed in terms of the technology around here. Mitch had one job. Mitch Palooza had one job and one job only. I needed advance notice. Of all the show topics, because I was going to run it through chat GPT. I was going to, and I was going to use the AI and I was going to trounce you something fierce for the Uh next three and a half hours Uh because all the kids are using chat GPT for all their exams. Why not? Why not? I bring it in. Yeah. I see. I see on this desktop right here. Wolf has a an AI little button here saved to his desktop. How much of what Wolf has been broadcasting is actually Wolf, and how much is Chat GPT? I think we need an internal investigation. We're going to work on that. In the meantime, let's weigh in on our top story of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show with Paul Calvisi filling in. Burns and Gambo, the weigh in, brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. Well, we got a lot of stuff to get into today, and of course, we're going to start with KD Part Two tonight. Six o'clock tip time. They're in Chicago taking on the Bulls as we all get another look at what Kevin Durant in a Phoenix Suns uniform is going to look like. And while that is certainly a tasty appetizer, it is just an appetizer because on Sunday, oh doggy, Kyrie, KD, Book, 
Luca, Aiton, whoever else the Mavs want to throw out there. That's when this stuff gets real. It is on Sunday against the Mavs. So let's look at the whole weekend, Cal, and let's talk about KD and what we're expecting this weekend. In hindsight, I think it was by design that they picked Charlotte. No question. As the debut nice, for Kevin Durant. Soft landing yep. spot, nice and cushy, right? I mean, if you're a Charlotte resident, why are you buying tickets to Hornets basketball? I mean, what is there to see other than the opponents? That's how bad that team was. At the same time, I did not expect it to look that good. KD, D-Book, CP3, even one of eight shooting. Still, he had the assists. Suns looked very good, looked very efficient. It just looked easy. It looked organic. It looked natural. It looked good enough that you're wondering, what is this going to look like in May? If it's this good, this soon, yep. of course, how much of that do you have to adjust for stinking Charlotte and what will it look like to your point on Sunday? Yeah, and I think there, there is a filter that you have to look at all of this through, and we talked a lot about this yesterday. It is the Charlotte filter, and the Charlotte filter, that they're not very good. There will be tougher tests, and I don't think it's going to be as easy as it was the other night because they're going to play better teams, and, and the Bulls qualify, barely, as a better team tonight. They're just on the outside looking in at the play-in tournament in the Eastern Conference. They'll provide a tougher test. I, I think what I look for, if we're just talking about tonight specifically, I'm looking for continued kind of evolution of some of the things that we saw the other night against Charlotte. Kevin Durant and the bench guys at the start of the second quarter and the fourth quarter, he really carried those minutes when Devin Booker wasn't out there. How does that continue to evolve? I'm looking at Aiden. Does he continue to get a lot of good looks? And I think more than anything, something you mentioned, okay, Book was great. Aiden was great. KD was great. Nobody else really shot the ball well. That's a trend that kind of needs to get fixed over these next few games because you need to do better than what that bench did and what the rest of them did when KD or Book wasn't shooting the ball. The one thing I was looking for in terms of the fit was just the ball movement. Were they moving the ball? Was it four guys standing around and looking at Kevin Durant? Or did you see that ball movement that made those warrior days so glorious? Mm-hmm. Because that's when the Suns were at their best. When the Suns were floundering earlier this year a little bit, a little bit, it, to me, it's when they're not moving the ball, when they're not finding the open man. And it's so easy when a Kevin Durant comes in. And you know what? When healthy, I think you can state he's the best player on the planet. When healthy. And so that was the end of the Charles Barkley era because it's so easy to draw parallels to the Charles Barkley era. And we were both around for that. And at the very end, when they realized that they had to jettison Chuck's butt out to Houston, it's because it was just ISO basketball. And you wanted to see Kevin Durant and Devin Booking and Matt and, they, and get that ball move. And then it was the defense as well. I was actually listening to the first half in the car. Mm-hmm. And when I heard Tim Kempton say to John Bloom, and I'm quoting now, are we going to see the Suns play defense like this the rest of the season? <laughs> and you realize the great players, they don't just set the bar. They are the bar. They're the standard. Yeah. And so I didn't quite realize just, A, how much of a baller Kevin Durant is. He's a grinder. He's all about basketball. And D, he is, or two, he's willing to play defense. Defense. Yeah, and it's not okay. And, and to have two, okay, Aiton's a seven footer, KD six ten, but with a seven five wingspan. When you've got two guys that size, this is something we were talking with Kellen Olson about yesterday. It makes the Suns suddenly very big in a very good way, right? Like when TJ Warren's your three, when 
Corey Trump. Craig's your three. You're running a really big line about there. DeAndre Eaton can move. KD, yeah, he's dealing with the knee injury. He can move decently enough. You've got two quasi-seven-footers out there who can kind of switch and guard the pick-and-rolls and come out and who can move a little bit and who can clog the lane. It, the, the things it does for them, we get so fixated on the offense. The things it does for them defensively and the way they can switch guys around, you really started to get a little taste of that on Wednesday, and I'm looking forward to more of that tonight to see how that evolves, too. When he had those two blocks early, that was your reminder. Yeah. That, okay, he is a rim protector. Mm -hmm. That he can impact shots, block shots. And and look, in today's NBA, you could say, okay, but what happens when the playoffs start and it gets all that much more physical? No, not really. It won't be that much more physical in the playoffs because, obviously, he's of slight build, and same with DeAndre Aiden. And that's the other thing. What does he do for Aiden? That accountability. We know what CP3 did initially for Aiden. I just wonder from the outside looking in if, I don't know, maybe to some degree um, got a little tired of the messaging from CP3 and Aiden has lapsed here and there. But now if he has Kevin Durant and Durant's putting forth that sort of effort, because it's you're going to need – it was interesting. Kendrick Perkins at the NBA All-Star break was doing – various interviews he was asked about the nuggets and he installed them as the favorites in the west and then he said just unprompted i don't really believe in the suns because it's really a big two and a half he called it durant booker and cp3 as the half because he's not what he used to be and he wasn't even including deandre yeah, Aiden. yeah and i thought that was a major slight and when Aiden has played his best it's when he's field slighted or shoved in the back by patrick beverly yeah and, and, and don't forget bev tonight right He's on the Bulls, isn't he? That's right. That's right. You're right. Th- and he's healthy. He's fine. He's playing. <laughs> okay. Okay, Pepev. All right. Be on your best behavior. Mind your, P- mind your P's and Q's tonight. All right. We- Somebody needs to play hockey goon tonight and just come off the bench <laughs> and just give him a what for. Just give uh, him a little payback. Ish. We're cool with Ish. Yeah, Ish, Ish. Yep. Take him out, Ish. Yeah. Bismack Biombo, just yep. take him out. Yep. Yep. Just, yep. Go right, just go right after him. Okay. And not to bury the lead, tonight's game is tonight's game. Sunday's game. Now you're talking 11 o'clock in the morning. You're talking about brunch with the Suns. You're talking about national TV audience on ABC. And, and it really is. The Mavs are still figuring their stuff out. Now, they kind of figured it out last night. They got to combine, you know, 40 points each from Luka and Kyrie. And we'll get to that. They beat the Sixers. who we were on the second night of a back-to-back. So there's that. That game is going to kind of have the, the soft landing is gone. Not that the Mavs are great, but the soft landing is gone. And now that, I assume, is going to have some serious playoff intensity type mojo attached to it when you're talking about KD versus Kyrie, Devin versus Luka. That game is going to have a vibe, Cal. It's going to have a big time vibe on Sunday. And I'm treading lightly because last time I was filling in, Lorenzo Alexander was sitting over there and it made some comments about Luka versus Devin Booker that almost got me pummeled right here in this studio. So I'm going to tread lightly. When you're going to be watching two aspects of that, who has the better team? Who has the better dynamic duo? And, and which squad looks more like a team? Now, it looks like Dallas just figured it out in that win over the Sixers. At least the box score would say as much, that they finally got that synergy that they were lacking over the first few weeks between Luka and Kyrie. Yeah, we're going to get into this a little bit later. 
these teams that have made these acquisitions around the trade deadline, there hasn't been a lot of comfort yet. There hasn't been comfort with the Clippers. There hasn't been a lot of comfort with Dallas yet. The Suns seem to find their comfort right out of the gate against Charlotte. Was that because it was Charlotte, or was that because the pieces fit here a little bit better than they do? And I think that game on Sunday will be a really, really good test of that, no doubt about it. Win lower-level tickets to go see Kevin Durant's first home game as a Sun. All you need to do right now is text KD to 620-620. Enter for your chance to win lower-level tickets to see the Suns play the Thunder on March 8th and and two Kevin Durant jerseys and two Kevin Durant jerseys. That's text KD to 620-620. Quote, because I got a cannon, close quote. <laughs> Who said that and what does it mean for the Arizona Cardinals? We'll talk about it next. Burns and Gambo Calvisi filling in. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Paul Calvisi of the Arizona Cardinals. Former co-host together on Sports Interactive here on Arizona Sports. Uh, ABC 15 broadcaster for a number of years. Basically been covering Valley Sports since the mid-90s. Do we really have to actually date it there, Bernsey? Do we actually have to throw the date out? I mean, this is a true story. Last night I'm at the gym and there's a 19, 20-year-old guy. And uh, yeah. we're going back and forth. <laughs> Mitchapalooza. We're, you know what? This show is all about accountability. Jonathan Gannon and the Suns bringing the accountability with Kevin Durant, okay? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So we're bringing the accountability here to Burns and Gamble in the afternoon. But how dare you? Oh, so- I'm like the crypt How? How dare you sound the lie detector when I just casually mentioned at the gym? I didn't say a, Wait, didn't say a bully power lifter over away. here. What I am about to say is some punk kid said, and I quote, as I made a joke, my only objective here as I work out is not to get injured at my age. And he's, he's doing, well, you know, you're doing a lot more than most guys your age. <laughs> that was his response. And I said, you know what? Put three more plates on that bar. Let's go. And then you hurt yourself. Exactly. And then you like threw out your traps or something like it's that. It's a no-focus right? Friday, Bernsey. Let's get us back There's here. No about, well, that's let's what go. I'm here for. You know, I'm going to steer us back into our yeah. lane. We've got lane assist that's beeping at us. So that's let's good. get back in, right? Beep, beep, yeah. beep. Okay, yeah. we move back over. Combine, uh, big day tomorrow. In fact, let's start at the top with this thing, all right? Because we're talking about the Cardinals. We're talking about with the third pick. Do they stay? Do they take Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, all of that stuff? But then there's also the quarterbacks. And you got to consider what's going to happen at one and what's going to happen at two and who's going to trade up. Is somebody going to come knocking at the door and want number three? And a lot of it depends on the quarterbacks and who flashes and who shows themselves. Let's start with Bryce Young, even though I don't really think he necessarily factors into this. I read today on Pro Football Talk, they called Bryce Young's measurements tomorrow maybe the most anticipated measurement a quarterback has taken in years at the Combine. And I thought, hello, 2019 is calling. They would like yep. their take back, right? Yep. Like, right. It's Kyler I mean, Murray all over again. Mitchapalooza, if you want to be an asset to the show, get the lie detector ready when I say Bryce Young was listed by Alabama at six foot one ninety four. No chance. No chance. No chance. Did you see him walking in his arrival video? Pro tip to Bryce Young. Do not walk next to a six foot seven guy <laughs> when you're entering the combine. I know it's the same thing. That was it's like, dude, pick somebody your size yeah. to walk next to so at least we have to guess yeah. how tall you are. Dude, that guy was yeah. huge. That's like yours truly when I was on the Cardinals sideline. Do not stand next to Calais Campbell. He, so Bryce Young gets behind a podium today, gets behind the microphone and says, look, the size thing is not an issue, guys. Don't worry about I've it. I've been this size uh, respectfully my, my whole life. Um, you know, I, I know who I am. I know, I know what I can do. And, you know, for me, you know, I think it, it, it's fair. You know, everyone can, can speculate and ask whatever questions. 
things are necessary. But, you know, I'm going to continue to control what I can control. I'm going to keep working my hardest to put myself in a good position. And I'm confident in myself. I know what I can do. And, you know, I'm just excited to get to that next level. It's not just the height, though. All right. Is he six foot? Is he five, ten and a half? That's you know, all these Kyler questions. It's like all over again. It's the weight, too. A lot of people want to know what number he's going to hit when he stands on the scale because the, the, the belief is that he's playing at like 194. He'll step on the scale at like 205 because he's trying to bulk up, but that's probably not his playing weight. It's probably weight that he gained for the combine and that'll lose when he starts playing. It, it's With Kyler, it was the height. It was just the height. With Bryce Young, it's both, Calvisi. It's how tall he is and how much he weighs, how strong he is because he is a slight guy out there. And you have to weigh it against the film. He has the best film. No doubt. Of any quarterback. Will some team overthink it, though? Will some team get legitimately scared that he's not sturdy enough to play quarterback in the NFL? And it could happen. It really could. People could go to that final game. C.J. Stroud against Georgia, by the way, when Ohio State finally unleashed him and unlocked his skill set and let him do a lot of things that all the Buckeyes fans were screaming for C.J. Stroud to do. I'm not sure what he's going to weigh in, but yeah, it appears to certainly be a risk. Is he going to be able to stay healthy in the pocket? it in an NFL game and absorb those sort of hits. Look, you, you've been covering this closely with your role with the Cardinals, and obviously you talk to a lot of players every single day. One of the concerns I hear about Bryce is it's the size, it's the weight, and it's the fact that he doesn't have blazing speed at that size. Like, like That's kind of the trade-off, right? Like you say, okay, I'm going to put a smaller guy back there. He's slight, but man, he runs a four, whatever, whatever, 40. He really doesn't, and that's sort of the trade-off that you're willing to make if you're a team drafting a guy that small. That certainly the Cardinals were with Kyler. I don't think you get that payoff with Bryce Young. I think that hurts him a little bit. He doesn't have the ultra-athletic escapability, right. no. But he has enough mobility, and if he's able to process and he's able to find those open receivers and beat teams with his eyes and his accuracy, which he did on film, then I still think he is the number one quarterback in this draft. Either way, more quarterback hype, more better, to put in poor grammatical terms. That's what the Cardinals need. You need as many quarterbacks to climb up that board. So maybe, just maybe, somebody offers you big package at number three and or Will Anderson is there for the taking. Which is why Will Levis, I think the Arizona Cardinals, should send him a fruit basket today. Because if you're talking about quarterback hype raising the price for moving to number three, how about Will Levis, the quarterback out of Kentucky today, on why he is participating in the throwing program? Everybody has because I got a cannon. I'm going to show it off. That's <laughs> good. It's good. I mean, look, Will you, can, boom. you can talk your way and work your way out up a team's draft board. We've seen it. Oh, no question. Mitchell especially Trubisky. That position. Oh, it's Trey Lance. You've seen it. Zach Wilson. This is just recent history. You can go all the way back 20 years ago. So if you kill it in the combine and you have that arm talent and teams think, okay, you know what? There's upside. We can develop that. Teams will go up and get you. Look. For me, and I don't know if you agree with this or not, he's the guy to watch. He's the, when it comes directly to the Cardinals, he's the guy to watch. And here's the reason why I think that. I assume Bears are moving out of one, a quarterback team is moving up to one. I assume the Texans, either they're moving up to one to make sure they get their guy, or someone will move into two. I, I assume it's going to be quarterback one, quarterback two. If the Cardinals are to have the options they truly desire, Will Anderson or a trade out, Will Levis needs the ball. Will Levis needs to 
show himself off, and he needs to show up, and he needs to show out. He's the key guy to giving the Cardinals the options they truly desire. I don't know if you agree with that or not. He's the guy I'm watching. Well, you need to convince Indianapolis he's the guy, because a lot of people already have Will Levis going to the Colts at number four, but can they sit there comfortable at number four? Because the ideal scenario, to your point, is quarterback one, quarterback two, Will Levis, Levis is still on the board, and the Arizona Cardinals convince Chris Ballard, the Colts GM, he won't be there at three. We're getting a lot of phone calls. Hello, our phone is ringing, yeah. and we're going to trade out of three, and you're not going to get Will Levis. You better trade up and then give us a high second-round pick, and that's where the Cardinals cash it in, and three quarterbacks go, and you still have Will Anderson on the board at four. And, and that's the dream scenario. I think if you're a Bears fan, the dream scenario, at least it was, the Bears move from one to two. And then from two to four, make two separate deals. But now Jalen Carter and his trouble, if he's the guy you're moving down for, if you're Chicago, do you want to take him at number four? If you execute, you'll still get all those picks. But if you're moving down thinking, hey, we'll get Will Anderson or Jalen Carter at number four, do you want Jalen Carter at number four now? If that's Because that's the Bears' dream yeah. scenario, I think. Be afraid. Be very afraid that the Bears are going to draft Will Anderson. If you're all about that premier pass rusher, and he really separated himself again tonight, and the film is unmistakable, the accolades, the production is ridiculous at Alabama. Just read what Mel Kuyper wrote about him. Just go ahead and see what he's able to do the last couple of years at Alabama, where they nicknamed him the Terminator at Alabama. Yeah. And he's a two-time SEC Defensive Player of the Year, two-time Bronco Nagurski Award winner as a Defender of the Year, and an All-American. So be very afraid that with Jalen Carter out of the mix, seemingly... Seemingly a lot can happen in two months, but that Will Anderson's going to go to Chicago and you got to settle for the second best position player on the board. One more quarterback, and I don't think he impacts things that happen in the top three, but stranger things have happened. The draft surprises us all every single year. Anthony Richardson, the Florida quarterback. And uh, who he looks up to, who he compares himself to. The kid is, uh, well, he's not humble. Let's put it that way. I started calling myself Cam Jackson in 11th grade. You know, <laughs> trying to make big plays, you know, so uh, just Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson. He started calling himself a combo of Lamar Jackson and Cam Newton. Cam! I is mean, he the kid from that NFL Play 60 so, commercial with Cam Newton? The one who's warming up his arm? <laughs> Remember he, that kid? <laughs> he is this year's Trey Lance. He only has 13 starts at Florida. He's this year's Trey Lance. And if he balls out and he crushes the workouts tomorrow and the QB portion of the combine, maybe, just maybe, somebody trades up to number three. For him? We, I mean, and we if, if the 49ers gave up three picks, three first-round picks to get Trey Lance, yeah. it's possible. And we it's feasible. We haven't even talked about C.J. Stroud yet, too. I I, I think the Cardinals are going to have choices. Lots and they're going to they're be in the, the buffet line at the Golden Corral, man. What do you want? You want a little turkey? You want a little brisket? You want a little this? You want a little that? I think they're going to have options. By the way, Anthony Richardson also said, quote, I want to be a legend. I want to be like Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. He said he's faster than Kyle Pitts, his former tight end of Florida, who ran a 4.44, ran the 4.4440, right? And when somebody asked him if he was a project quarterback, he stared the guy down and said, I don't even know what that means, dude. <laughs> I threw in the dude. I don't even know what that means. So he didn't like being called a project quarterback. Yeah. 
Text us your thoughts. The FanDuel text line. It's open for you right now at 620-620. Diamondback spring training rolls on. How are some of Troy Lovello's mainstays looking early on? The skipper, join us exclusively for his conversation next. Burns and Gambo, Calvisi filling in. Your exclusive home of the D-backs. Diamondbacks. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. D-backs manager Tori Lovello joins Burns and Gambo to talk D-backs baseball. Welcome back. It is the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And as we do now every Friday during the baseball season, it's our opportunity to chat with the manager of the Diamondbacks, Tori Lovello, who joins us today with Paul Calvisi filling in for Gambo. Tori, how you doing on this Friday? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing really well, guys. Always good to be with you. I heard uh, you had very kind things to say about how young I looked for having a kid who got married last week. So I just, God bless you for that, Tori. God bless you. I, could be- I couldn't believe it. And I said it live on the air, right? It was hot. And I'm going to stand by it. Every time I see you, well, you, you it's, look way younger than you are. And you shared your age with me, and I'm still shocked. It's one of the uh, many things today we don't agree on. That's just sort of the uh, par for the course today on this show. So here we go. Now the gloves are really off. Yeah, we're all disagreeing I'm all right, day long. I, yep. I can see that you guys have worked together. It's going well, I think. <laughs> All right, I'm going to start. I'm going to jump Bernsey, and I'm just going to start right off the bat here. I can't take my eyes off Corbin Carroll running the bases. The highlight from last season that's still blazed in my brain is him going from first to home on an extra base hit. And then this week, he gapped a triple in right center field. And, man, he gone. I'm just curious, for the guys who really know baseball in that dugout, how entertaining is it to watch him run the bases? Yeah, I, I can't take my eyes off either. I feel the same way as you do. Traditionally, what I do when a ball goes into the gap, I don't really watch the ball. I, I my eyes both when we're when we're defending it and when we are on offense, my eyes go to the cutoff man to see where they are. I'm trying to get a feel for what the players on the field are looking at, if they're lined up properly, and then you know, possibly taking advantage of a situation or two from a base running standpoint. So that's always the first thing I lock down on. But when we have Corbin. Um, Jake McCarthy, Alec Thomas. We've got some really good athletes, especially Corbin. When that ball goes in the gap, I'm watching one person and I'm watching Corbin around the bases. He cuts off, cuts off the edges of the bases, gets in, gets into the straight line between the two points, and he's just he's a phenomenal athlete. So what you see is some God-given speed, but some great technique, and that takes a lot of work. And it doesn't surprise me that everybody notices it. He wants to enhance it and make it perfect and a little bit more faster each and every time, and he does a great job. How delicious have you and your coaching staff been in devising a way to take advantage of the rules changes this year with the pickoffs and the extra bases? Because it does, on the surface, really seem to play to your strengths as a roster. How far have you guys gone to kind of build around that and what you've got with the rules changes? Yeah, we're already a really fast athletic team, and we are going to um, take advantage of every situation we can. But we got to remember, we already have a really good starting point. We're not asking somebody that's at average speed to create a little bit of, of um, an advantage because of the rules. We're taking a really quick athletic team, and we're going to enhance that. So we've had some early discussions about how to exploit it. We're still working through that. We had a lot of conversations prior to our first game, and then I made the comment, let's play a week's worth of games, and then let's get a feel for the new rules and the time clock. Let the players play the way they want to, and then we will come together as one, including the players, and we'll talk about what they see and what their sidelines are to take advantage and exploit these new rules. There's there's a time clock element, and you know, you, you 
we've had a couple players, and I don't want to I don't want to say it out loud. We've had a couple players that have already taken advantage of it. When it gets down to one second, they've already got themselves into the full sprint. So we'll take advantage of it the best way we know how. But we also got to defend it. So I'm working on both sides of that. We got to prepare that nobody will do that to us. We got to we got to protect our house, and we will do a good job of that. But from a base running standpoint, I think it's going to make a really good base running, already really good base running team, just a little bit better. I saw where you met with MLB officials pregame one day this week talking about rule changes i mean what's not classified there what what can you share with us and what sort of questions did you have after a week or so yeah my my questions were mostly surrounding um what is what is reviewable with replay um you know you got you got the heels on the grass from infielders is that reviewable what does it mean who's going to police that um, is there going to be extra time granted for the catcher who's left on base and the time clock is cranked and going if there's not a pitching change um, as soon as as soon as the ball is is recorded for the final out catcher has a tough time getting his dugout to put his gear on a lot of little things a lot of little nuances that we're seeing pop up just a bunch of questions that we're throwing around Michael Hill came in and did a terrific job of addressing about 10 of the questions I had so I was only able to ask two because he hit them all and I think he did a, a very thorough job that everybody felt the same. So all of us were walking into that sitting, having a handful of questions, and not many were answer, had had to be asked because he accomplished that in what he was sitting down telling us piece by piece. So great job by MLB defining it. We'll get a, we'll get a good feel for it. But there's so many little working rules inside of what you see as just one time clock. There's a lot of things we got to be aware of, and it's been a little bit of a challenge for all of us right now that we've been sitting in the dugout watching the game. We've got to incorporate the time clock, and we'll do that. Tori Lavello, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show, is weekly visit. Paul Calvisi filling in for Gambo today here on this Friday edition. We're we're a week into it now. I, I mean, all of the intricacies aside, do you like it, or, or, or is is there too many moving parts right now, and the negotiating of those moving parts for you to even know the answer to that question yet? No, I like it. The pace of game is is improved. You know, it's it's two hours and twenty five, two hours and thirty minutes, and that's that to me is what what baseball is all about. So getting on the mound, throwing the pitch, um, and making making the action happen. I think that's what the fans want. The fans have been screaming for that for the past ten, fifteen years. And Major League Baseball's done a good job of it. I was watching the I think it was probably the nineteen seventy seven World Series replay not too long ago between the Dodgers and the um, and the Yankees and uh, the starting pitcher for the Yankees, I think his last name was Torres, basically was getting the ball back from Thurman Munson and throwing it immediately and setting up. Like that's what baseball used to be like, where the pitcher would just get up, get into the delivery, and go to work. Today, things have changed prior to this whole thing, so I kind of enjoy it because it's going to keep the game moving. It's going to force the thinkers to think fast, um, and it's going to force the players to operate at a different pace. But we'll get used to it. Hey, you played a game against the Cubs the other day, two hours, four minutes, start to finish. How about that? Uh, how about yeah, this, that, right? That was incredible. And how about the fact that Mike Hazen this week said, and I'll quote, he's our best player. And that's my intro to talk about Cattell Marte. What does he look mm-hmm. like? The early returns seem to be really good. We saw him make a play behind the bag earlier this week. He really looked agile and athletic again. Just uh, mm-hmm. what is in store for Cattell Marte? And when he's at his best, an all-star caliber, and he's been there before, what's happening? Yeah. <clears throat> 
an unbelievably talent, talented player. Um, and we know that we have to continue to coach him up and enhance all those tools that he has, that he has right? You, you see somebody that's 23, 24 years old, you say that he's tooled up, and how is he going to pull those tools out and, and let him play out? And we've seen him do that several times for an entire year. And he was fourth in the MVP voting. So we, it's our job to, to teach him the, the, the best parts of his game to go out there and, and let him let him naturally take place and then also coach up the areas where he's a little deficient. I think the big thing for him, and you hit on it, the play that he made up the middle, that did not go unnoticed by everybody that has been watching him for the past three or four years. There was explosiveness to the ball. He closed on the ball. There was you know the proper leg work, the bend. Everything worked because of the shape that he's come into this spring training. He was told at the end of camp, you know, we got to work on agility and maybe uh, work on being able to, to have that flexibility so you're not going to come up lame after making a play like that. So we were all thrilled about it because it told us a story. It told us a story that he we asked for something, he responded and did it, and now he went out and executed at a high level. When he's in this in this type of shape, when you see him making these types of plays, he's a very good player that can do very special things on both sides of the wall. That's always got to be a delicate conversation from a coach or a manager to a player. Hey, we need to change your body type. We need you to do this. We need you to do that, especially when it comes to you know how an athlete builds up his body. How did that conversation go with Cattell? <laughs> there's, there's your answer. Your answer right there. That's the answer. Yeah. How do you how do you have, look a, a grown man in the eye and say, "Look, you're a really good baseball player, but you will be better if X, Y, and Z take place." And Z is probably the, something that's very humbling that you might be a little bit out of shape or you're a little bit overweight. But that's my job. At the end of the day, I've got to be able to have those conversations. I feel like I've had I have so much street cred with these players, especially to tell um, our relationship allowed me get there with him um, and he accepted it and he agreed with it and sometimes I'll put it on the player and say what do you think I'm telling you do you agree with it or disagree so uh, I got into a very in-depth conversation with him he accepted that and from day one of spring training I know he's been working really hard at it I went to visit him in the Dominican Republic I went to his home in the Dominican Republic this off season, and I could see that he was working really hard and the body was taking shape and he took what I said to heart but he trusts us and that's really what it's all about when it comes from a good place and an established relationship and you trust the information and trust the person that he's, he's hearing it from, you, you can tell him just about anything. I'm going to cite your conversation when I have that, when I have that conversation with Bernsey a little bit later, okay, Tori? So, you know, <laughs> I, I knew that was coming. God, I knew that was coming. Well, the whole I wedding so thing. I knew that was coming. You just, you few too many calories at the wedding, Bernsey, okay? Come on now. Uh, Mad Bomb, last, que- last question real quick. Sunday in Goodyear against Cleveland, or is that still to be determined? Yeah, no, I, I basically played it out a little bit um, today in the media media scrum. Yeah, Bum is scheduled for Sunday at Cleveland. So he feels good. He's been in the lab. He's been throwing, you know, on the fields and just getting himself ready to go. He's in a good spot. He's, he, he came in um, in real good shape, and, and we're super excited to, to see what it looks like on the field, and it looks like it's going to be Sunday. Well, Tori, we appreciate the time, as always. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Tori. Okay, boys. Talk to you soon, Bob. Story the Velo joining us here on the Burns and Gambo Show with Paul Calvisi filling in. When we come back, we turn our attention to college basketball. Does Arizona State University have another lifeline? Because after last night, they might need it. That's next.
Burns and Gambo. The Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, poll question time. Let's roll it out here. A little late, 245, because we had Tori for his weekly visit at 230. Paul Calvisi's in for Gambo, and Eric is here with our Twitter poll question of the day. Rubes, what you got for us? Yeah, we had to bump it so Tori could compliment you again. So he could tell you that you looked young again. We just had to do it. Well, I mean, these are important things. It's, Wait a minute. It's about priorities around That's here. where the interview started, but it ended with Tori giving Dave the real truth he needs about those 10 pounds. <laughs> Don't get it wrong. Oh, it was you giving me the truth I okay. need about those last Given 10. Giving Dave the Cattell Marte which, speech. Which is honestly, you know what? I swear, if I wanted to look like I was in my early 40s instead of my early 50s, I would lose the 10 pounds. But I just <laughs> wow. so got to get around to okay, it. Okay, you know? Will Levis with your cannon. Okay. What a flex. Uh, I think I'm just going to let you guys go back no, and no, forth. It's going to be like this all day. It's going to be like this all day. Well, we, have is, a new, we have a new duo in there, Calvisi, Bernsey. We also have uh, some new duos or new teams in the NBA with new superstars. Which of them are most likely to figure it out? Is it the Mavericks with Kyrie or is it the Clippers with Russ? Who is more likely to figure it out? I the mean, Mavs or the Clippers? You got one guy who's ball dominant in Kyrie, and how does that work with Luka? I'm not bullish on that long term. And then you got another guy who's just basically dysfunctional. What is his role? What does he give an yeah. NBA team other than $40 million or so in salary on the payroll? I'm going to steal this answer from Danny in our web department. All right. I'm going to vote for the. I'm going to vote that the Clippers are going to figure it out. Here's the reason why. At the end of the day, if they don't want to play Russ, they don't have to play Russ. The Mavs, they have to play Kyrie and Luka. They have no choice. They must figure it out. Unless Kyrie ups and leaves them at the end of the season, which he might because he's a free agent. I think the Clippers have a choice here to go, you know what, this Russ thing's not working. Let's bench his butt and move on. The Mavs don't have that luxury. Or the inverse, teams don't have to guard Russell Westbrook, apparently. Whereas they do have to guard Kyrie Irving. (laughs) If you saw any of that video, uh, the Warriors just decided, you know what, it's five on four. Draymond Green giving Russell Westbrook about ten yards. Like, dude, do whatever you want. Shoot it. I'm just going to stand here. What's our audience say on this one? This one might surprise you guys. It's an absolute blowout. 72.5% think the Mavs figure it out with Kyrie. 27.5% say it's the Clips and Russ. All right, that's the poll question. You can find it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. Uh, At uh, at risk to my own health, I'm going to read this from the FanDuel text line. Pauly Pigskin is back. Outstanding, says Steve Adams. Well, you know how it works around here. Um, They just exchange one Italian for another, one guy with a vowel at the end of his name for another. I I feel tremendously profiled at this moment, but I'm making the best of it as I sit in on this reunion tour with Dave Burns. I traded an O for an I. That's right. right, Yeah, that's right. An O for an I. That's what I got around here, and, you know, it's just more of the same. Yeah. All right, so ASU last night, did you watch any of this, Burns? I did watch a little bit of it last night. There was no reason to watch a ton of it because in the second half, they got buried. They hung with them in the first half. It was like a four-point game at halftime. The turnovers and the rebounds and the sloppy play. And UCLA's just too good at home. But man, 
man, ASU buried themselves with how poorly they rebounded the ball and all of those points off of the turnovers by UCLA. To find that game last night, I thought, for ASU. Yeah, UCLA is so fundamentally sound. They make you beat yourself. And whereas the first meeting, I watched that as well, ASU hung until the middle of the second half and then things just unraveled from there. You're right, in the second half, things just got out of hand. And now, you know what? I'm scared. I'm scared for the sake of ASU. I know watching the U of A game with passion, Bill Walton, they had Joe Lenardi on, and they still had ASU the last four in. But there are other projections that are saying they're the first four out. That has changed because Joe Lenardi's projection this morning, I don't know what changed his mind other than a good night's sleep because this morning I woke up, he's got ASU as quite literally, Cal, his first team out. Oh, like, okay, there's his, his first four out. He's got ASU at the mm. top of that list. The very first team that's not in, he's got ASU. Now, does that change if they beat USC? Because let me tell you something about USC. Right now, USC, according to Lenardi, has one of the last four buys. So USC's in kind of this precarious position, too. If ASU can beat them on Saturday and then maybe get a win or two in the Pac-12 tournament, I think they're okay. you got to beat USC on Saturday if you're ASU. If don't, then you have to win out the Pac-12 tournament. That's your only way of getting in. Because, you know, Captain Obvious, you lose to USC and then you flame out in the Pac-12 tournament, you would be out. But you're saying they're already out. Yeah. So they have to, it's not a matter of not losing. you got to win. you got to win. you got to reconvince those. And look, I don't trust that selection committee at all when it comes to the Pac-12. The, that committee is not looking at the Pac-12 through Bill Walton's rose-colored Conference of Champion glasses <laughs> that Bill Walton does. I never trust those guys. And to Bobby Hurley's point earlier this week, didn't he say he was surprised after the win against U of A and the buzzer beater? Didn't give that much of a bump, right? Nope. So I, I think right there, that's a convincing case that ASU better better secure a win against USC and then the first game of the Pac-12 tourney, which could be really tough. And there was one scenario where they could end up playing USC again, U of A and UCLA if they advance. If they finish as the sixth seed in the Pac-12 tournament, that could very well be their path. Quarterfinal game against USC, semifinal game against Arizona, final game against UCLA. No, no, that's I'm shaking my head right now. That's not going to happen. Um, I want to talk about this. We need to talk about this. I think we're going to focus on this a couple times today because it came from Stuart Mandel, a college football writer that I think you and I both have a great deal of respect for. When it yep. comes out of his mouth, out of his keyboard, I tend to listen. Um, he's writing that he and Max Olson of the Athletic are writing that the Big Twelve is ready to pounce. That George Klyovkov, the commissioner of the Pac-12, has now got under pressure to deliver a new media rights deal to his members by the end of this month. And if the dollar figures or the details of that media rights deal are underwhelming, March may be the month when the Big 12 finally strikes. So far as to report that he says if the Big 12 can convince two of the four corner schools to go, Colorado, Utah, ASU, U of A. If he can convince two of those four to join the Big 12, the other two will feel like they have no choice but to join as well. And the Big 12 might be able to pull the Pac-12 apart. Are we really thinking there's going to be a Pac-12 media deal in a matter of two weeks or less? Didn't Ray Anderson say that during Newsmakers Week? That was right. That was his expectation. Uh, Ain't going to happen. I mean, once again, the lie detector is there holding everyone accountable. And guess what? George Klyovkov, the more you wait, the more you're putting your conference in peril. No doubt. The more opportunity you're giving Brett Yormark, the Big 12 commissioner, who's a very seasoned and has a high degree of acumen in this area. And I think 
Klyovkov coming from the entertainment world in Vegas. Once again, these these school presidents, the fact they hired Larry Scott and just what a disaster that was, not only the hiring, but standing by him mm-hmm. and the damage that's done to the conference. And you figured it couldn't get any worse. Well, Klyovkov, the more he waits... The more it seems like the doom, it's just a pending doom that is coming to the Pac-12. I have no, I, I've lost all confidence in where the already. Yeah, and where the conference is going. Yeah, it's it's funny because we give each other a lot of crap, you and I. But there was a line in this story that made me think of you when I read it this morning because I knew you were filling in. And basically, time kills all deals. I know you've you've got a lot of business acumen over there. You've you, 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 that's what you've done. Time kills all deals, and it feels like this one's just taken way too long. And, and because of that. The market has shrunk. The suitors have shrunk. The dollars are going down. The the linear TV, which is a fancy way of basically saying ESPN, Fox, the traditional channels, those are starting to shrink. Now you're talking about streaming deals. Can you really make your money on streaming deals? Here's the line that just killed me from this story. Sources briefed on the discussion say the conference, the Big 12, has been in recent contact with the so-called Four Corners schools, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah, which has renewed optimism that convincing them to join is possible. Brett Yormark has eyed westward expansion since the day he was hired as the Big 12's new commissioner. How do we feel about ASU and the Big 12? See, and at what point does Ray Anderson and Michael Crow have to say, we have to do what's best for Arizona State? Out of nowhere, USC and UCLA, you woke up one morning and they were gone to the Big 10. You had no knowledge. If they're telling the truth, they had no knowledge. The rest of the conference did not. That hit them out of left field. So if you get to mid-March and all you're hearing is Ion TV and some of these other streaming deals and and the money attached to it isn't going to move the meter at all. In fact, it'll be a detriment, a liability in recruiting going forward. Then all of a sudden, it's every school for itself. Yep. And, and that's my fear is they stop thinking as a conference. And they start thinking as individual schools striking their own deals. Well, and that, I think, is the most important part of the story, is the idea that here's your mark. If I can just get a couple of those four corner schools to go, that's the thread that's going to undo the sweater. I'm going to pull on that, and it's all going to, all I need to do is get one or two, and it'll crumble, right? It's that fragile. Everyone thought the Big Ten was going to be the one to come in and take Oregon and Washington, and that was going to be the thread that pulled apart the sweater. Now you've got this Colorado, Utah, Arizona. I mean, like, if I'm Arizona, I remember talking with somebody from U of A about this. If I'm Arizona, the Big 12 is extremely appealing to me, just from a basketball standpoint. Look at that conference you'd be joining from a college basketball perspective. It'd be enormous. It'd be a super conference in college basketball. That's got to be very tempting for them down in Tucson. Brett Yormark is quoted as saying that he thinks the Big 12's basketball rights are undervalued. And if he can snag U of A, along with the other three, four-corner schools... They're talking about Gonzaga he, going to and the Gonzaga, Big And then grabs Gonzaga. He would spin off just the basketball rights in another separate media rights deal, which would be another paycheck for these schools and another revenue stream and another reason to defect and leave the Pac-12 behind. And don't think for a minute that the Big Ten isn't still talking to Oregon and Washington. Sure. Sure. And maybe even Cal and Stanford if they want that sort of Pac-12 North. Oh, boy. Win lower-level tickets to see Kevin Durant's first home game as a Phoenix Sun. All you need to do is text KD to 620-620. Enter for your chance to win lower-level tickets to see the Suns and the Thunder on March 8th. Again, text KD to 620-620. You could also win two Kevin Durant jerseys. By the way, did I mention Cal basketball is 3-27? and 
That's okay, Bernsey. Go ahead. I mean, <laughs> you know, do you know, know how hard that is to do? It's, it's three and twenty-seven. It's nice to know every now and then you can be a little self-deprecating when it comes to your yeah, alma mater. Big twelve, you know. can have them. Given the news this past week regarding Jalen Carter, is it now Will Anderson or bust for the Arizona Cardinals? Oh, we'll get into that next. Burns and Gambo.